This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. There is a fairly commonly held belief that in the workplace, if you stay silent, your voice at times can lose value when you bring something to the table. But new research suggesting that silence is designed in times to prevent untimely ideas or concerns that there can be benefits for that individual. It's something called strategic silence. Michael Park is an assistant professor of management at the Wharton School. He was part of the research on this topic, and he joins us to take a look at what he found out. Michael, great to have you back with us for a few moments. Thanks very much. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Thanks to be back. So your study notes that the voice, and I, I say that with kind of air quotes around it, the voice in the office space, in many cases, can be a very valuable component when you're talking about your work presence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and when we define voice in in our research terms, what we're really referring to is constructive suggestions, identifying problems, raising concerns that can help fix issues in the work or the workplace or, you know, bring new innovative ideas, creative ideas uh, to help expand market products, processes, really just like those things with continuous improvement. So that voice is is really critical uh, for the success of teams and organizations. But there are many times where that voice can be, I guess, somewhat muddied uh, by, uh, by some of the commentary. Yeah, so if you think about it, like, you know, think about meetings, think about your experiences with people in meetings and people speaking up, right? What tends to happen, right? Well, not everything is valuable. Uh, some things are redundant. Some people talk too much. Other people don't get as much time. Uh, and when people do speak up, right, that requires manager and team attention to process it. And that create could create conflict. That could create uh, a wasting of time to be spent on more valuable items on the agenda. And so there is a cost to voice. So it's all it's valuable. There is a cost. And so organizations and leaders are constantly in this battle of, like, we want your input. But, you know, at the same time, like, can we try to make it valuable? And it's a really fine line to walk because any sort of indication that you give to people that, you know, maybe their voice isn't valuable, they might think twice about it. But what we found in our research is that employees navigate this uh, when they're strategic to try to actually hold back on ideas to develop them further, to think about the opportune time to raise it. And to make sure that their boss or whoever's receiving their issue is sort of ready for it, right, in a responsive, receptive state. And so that part was was illuminating to us that people don't just engage in silence when they're afraid or when they think there's no point, which is what the literature had sort of suggested and assumed. They actually do it for strategic reasons, for performance reasons, to make their voice come out and be received much better when it does. So then off of that, I'll ask you, are there, I would imagine there are instances then when you're thinking about maybe holding it back and, and kind of reconfiguring it and thinking about, you know, the best time to provide it, of whether or not in many cases people at times wait too long to engage in, in making that statement. Yeah, it's a great point. So first let me just re- briefly say like the three dimensions we found 
of when yeah. people hold back for sort of strategic reasons. So one is around what we call issue readiness, right? You know, they want to see if the problem still persists. They want to collect more data on it. They want to see if a better solution or a better way to frame the issue comes about. The second is the relevance, uh, the issue relevance to what the organization is current pursuing. So, for example, we had people talk about how they thought of an idea for a project that was a month or two away, but they held back until that project started to focus on their current work, right? And then the final dimension we, we tall, called was sort of target receptivity, which is whether the manager or the boss or, you know, whoever's going to receive it is not too busy, it seems in an open state, it's not in a bad mood and so forth, right? But mm -hmm. to your yeah. point, are there times when people hold on to ideas and issues too long? Absolutely. And that that's sort of the challenge that exists both for, for managers. And what we saw in our data is that sometimes it doesn't matter, right? So sometimes employees hold off and the problem addresses itself and it's fine and it's figured out and it's not an issue. But there's other times where managers got really upset that they, didn't, they weren't aware of the problem earlier and actually got upset employees for not raising it to them immediately. So the advice I would have for leaders is – be aware that people don't just hold back issues for like harmful reasons, but for strategic reasons. And they really should try to check in with them more to encourage them. Like, look, even if it's um, you think it's half-baked or if it's not fully flushed out, always feel comfortable to bring it to me. We can decide whether we'll deal with that issue together now or later. And that yeah. seems to be like a safer model than actually delaying it. So that would lead me to believe that that really focuses even more so on the relationship between the boss or manager and the employee and, and making that as as comfortable as possible, I guess. I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but I think you understand where I'm going so that that relationship yeah. can bring forward the ba the greatest benefit, whatever the situation may be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think what we need more explicit conversation. So not only that trust, right, between the manager and the and employee to sort of have those conversations, but I think what is overlooked often is explicit discussions around, okay, you know, you're the employee, you're gonna have ideas at times, you're gonna have problems at times. Let's talk about like when is the best time to bring those up? Are we gonna do those in weekly meetings? Are we gonna have one on one check ins? Are we gonna do it in group meetings? Or, you know, should you tell me immediately as you're working and things come up and what level and what types of issues? I think if leaders and, and teams had more explicit conversations about the avenues with which people communicate different ideas and concerns and issues, I think that they could navigate that in a much more efficient way. But I don't think that happens. And I think that's often what also contributes to people holding back at times just to sort of read the room, read the winds to think yeah. when it's in a more appropriate and, and a uh, timely way to bring up an idea or suggestion. Well, and, and I guess as you kind of, you mentioned in, in the research here that in terms of understanding why or why not an issue is brought up or not, that's something that really hasn't been focused on as much as maybe it probably should be and probably could benefit from greater research as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a whole literature on this, and, and there's still we're uncovering new things um, constantly. For example, a couple of projects that are in the works right now I'm looking at is we find that um, 
you know, not only do people speak up and remain silent, but we found that they often engage what we're calling uh, voice faking or faking voice, where they give you sort of, you know, like a little bit of input, but they don't really say what they actually believe. Um, and ironically, the more leaders ask for employees' input, the more likely people are going to feel pressure to engage in this voice faking. We also found in this other project um, a term we're calling uh, voice leakage, where even if employees don't talk to their managers about their concerns or ideas, they often talk to their employees or other people, and that gets out, that gets back to leaders, and then leaders have really negative feelings about that to the people that had the idea or the issue but didn't raise it to them directly. So as you're saying, there's still a lot to uncover and unpack in this area and, and, and pretty interesting insights to hopefully just advise leaders and employees how to navigate these conversations more effectively and efficiently because voice is so critical to the success and the well-being of the organization. Well, and you also mentioned in this about the quality of voice, and and I think that's an important component to bring up as well here because if you think about, you know, the, the let's just, you know, for argument's sake, we put together a team of 30 individuals at a company to work on a problem. Not every person in that group is going to be perceived to have the same level of quality of voice to be brought to a problem. And I think that's the interesting dynamic for, uh, you know, probably a lot of managers is that I think the belief is that all 30 people in that group may believe they can bring something valuable to the table, but the perception of the manager and maybe the higher levels up the chain may not see all 30 people in kind of the same frame. Yeah, I think that's true. And that's absolutely critical. And, you know, a couple, um, a sort of a couple tidbits on this idea of quality that you're bringing up that I think are useful for people to understand is, you know, we often, um, and it's correlated expertise and quality, right? How much quality input people provide, but it's not perfect. And really, we do need to allow experts to voice. We got to make sure that they get their voice and have their time, but we also need to challenge experts, right? And the best sure. ideas, the best solutions, the best thinking and making sure you're not making mistakes or assumptions typically comes about when you give experts on a particular topic airtime, but then you challenge their thinking and you're allowed to have that debate because we know that one, not always do experts get to voice because of whatever reasons, personality or other dominating members, but also is that when an expert does talk, we typically accept it and we don't actually critically think about it. And that can lead people and organizations astray as well. I think the other thing to, to bring up is that even though we want quality voice, there has to be patience for low quality voice because by right. people understanding why their voice is low quality, they can improve and, and learn. And oftentimes right. a low quality idea can then get feedback and turned into an actually better quality idea that you wouldn't have thought of without that person voicing that low quality idea in the first place. So I think you're absolutely right that this quality component is really important in how leaders navigate that and encourage voice so that they can get feedback to employees who are having low quality voice, but also, you know, don't just take experts to assume that they have high quality voice. That needs to be challenged at times as well. I wanted to also ask you, because obviously there's been a lot of discussion in the last few years about the social component in and around the workplace and, and the voice that a lot of employees may have about some of these social issues and whether or not that component plays into this 
this thought process around strategic silence? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good question. And some of my other work with some of the PhD students that were in work, we're looking at more specific issues around, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and some of these other social issues. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm so in anecdotally, and, and from some of the qualitative evidence we have, we absolutely know that um, employees are very strategic when it comes to raising social issues, right? Even more so because of a lot of the, the backlash that, that people have faced historically for raising issues and trying to change the status quo, especially when you talk about underrepresented minorities for that. I think that's a problem, though, right? And I think that we should create environments that employees don't have to refrain from moral and fairness and equity issues to pitch those strategically so that they are more likely to be received favorably. I think we need to start changing our environments that employees feel safe and teams feel have confidence to have those conversations and hear those social issues and discuss what they're going to do about them. So, yeah, so I think that although strategic silence occurs as we, as we started, you know, and it does help employees individually get more reception, favorable reception for their voice. It's still unclear and it's likely um, and probably not a good thing that people are engaging in strategic silence especially when it comes to like moral and fairness issues around these social issues that are important. But when you're talking about just, you know, kind of generic work setting relate, you know, issues as well, I mentioned about that, that relationship between the boss and, and the employee, when you think about that, that issue of silence or strategic silence from the, from the employee side, they also are thinking about, what they're bringing to the table and potentially the benefit that that could provide them in terms of their career, uh, you know, potential, uh, you know, raises, uh, you know, uh, moving up the corporate ladder within a, uh, within a, uh, a company as well. So there's that dynamic, I think that plays in there also, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So what we found is that, you know, um, managers, or employees who are perceived by their managers as providing high-quality voice are rated as higher performers and rewarded more, right? Promotions, raises, and so forth. And that strategic part is, you know, that we talked about where employees withhold issues if, if they don't think they're relevant at the current time, if they don't think they're quite ready, or if their boss isn't quite receptive, and they wait for more opportune times they're seen as when they do speak up as raising higher quality ideas. And so absolutely there's um, not only a potential uh, team value for, for doing this, but this individual value as well that employees are likely to, you know, they want to raise issues that get received well, that are recognized, that are, are seen as contributing value to the team and seeing good on them and, and those impression motives. So absolutely um, strategic science plays into that. What's the next step, do you think, Michael, for you and, and the other researchers coming off of this specific work? What's next then that, that you would like to uh, take this uh, this research? What, what path? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this was important to, to show that uh, the assumption kind of out there is that when employees remain silent, they're doing it for like dysfunctional reasons, most likely because they're afraid to raise an issue to a boss or a team, or because there's no, they don't believe there's any point. It's futile. 
So this was important to show that actually people do it for performance reasons, for strategic reasons to get their ideas passed, you know, as a part of selling their issues, selling their ideas. I think what we need to do next uh, is we just, we demonstrate that. We showed that that is, can be good for the employees. Now we need to show the cost of it. Is that actually good for teams and organizations when people hold back more? Uh, does that delay things? Does that make sure uh, make that pro- uh, problems get un- uh, you know problems don't get shown to managers when they need them? Uh, does it create a whole other host of problems where people don't speak directly to managers when they need to? Managers don't find about ideas as soon as possible when that could actually be beneficial. So, looking yeah. more at the outcomes uh, around you know, for the team and the organization is does that benefit? So I think there's still work out there to kind of see, you know, could it help? Yes, but also it could potentially be problematic at certain times. And I think that's where we're going next. Michael, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for a few moments. All the best to you, sir. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dan. Take care. You got it. Michael Park, Assistant Professor of Management here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.